Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hi, you're listening to Recover Girl. I'm your host, Anna David. This is a podcast about addiction and recovery. And... Right now, I'm about to play you, uh, you're going to listen not to an interview with uh, somebody about their addiction and recovery, but a story somebody's telling. And that somebody in this case is me. I host a storytelling show here in Los Angeles called Hammer Time. And I started doing this originally because I realized that lots of people don't read, but they will listen to you if you place them in a room and get on a stage. It's just what common courtesy. They'll do it. So we started doing this when I was at the site after party that I started. And it started to be very successful. And LA Weekly made us a pick of the week and standing room only. And I started to notice that these experiences of getting up every month and telling a story about my own ridiculousness was therapeutic. It was making me feel better and was also entertaining people. So I started doing this at treatment centers. It's called therapeutic performing. And I'm, t- I'm walking people through the process of doing that. If you uh, are associated with a treatment center or, or uh, want to, you know, maybe you work, maybe you own a treatment center. I don't know who you are. And you want to hire me to do that, go to annadavid.com slash workshop. And um, yeah, and so t- I'm actually going to, I've been posting these stories that are other people's stories, but I also tell stories at my storytelling show, so I'm going to introduce you to a very special guest. Her name is Anna David. She is the person you're listening to right now, and um, I hope you like my story. I need to bring up your next performer. She's uh, the the co-founder of of, of this event, one of the co-hosts. She's a New York Times bestselling author of six books. She's a college speaker. She's the founder of After Party Magazine. Yeah, all those things. Please welcome to the stage, Anna David. or dated somebody who's lived on Sweetser, anybody? If not Sweetser, then Sycamore? No? <laughs> now, I was living on Sweetser, and I was, um, you know, I was like, my, my life was kind of doing cocaine. And I, and I remember sitting there, and I was like, I know, I know what my problem is. Because the thing is, I was going to a lot of parties, and by that I mean I was going places and looking around to see who looked like they were doing cocaine. And then I was like, oh, 
And I was like, like, here's the problem. The reason I'm depressed is I'm entirely too dependent on other people for their cocaine. I need my own dealer. Right? Logical conclusion. Now, if you are like a mother of five in Ames, Iowa, it might be hard to find your own cocaine dealer. But if you are a 20-something in West Hollywood who's been doing coke at parties for two years, you make one phone call and within like three seconds, you have your own dealer, in this case, Alex. A very charming, and by that I mean not charming at all, um, guy who, but, but the thing about Alex is he delivered, which I think we can all agree is a great quality uh, dealer. <laughs> But the thing about Alex, well, there were a couple of things. His coke was so awful that like it just like reeked of gasoline, and so you were like sort of like, oh, I guess this was brought here in gasoline. Cocaine or gasoline? But but the other problem with Alex was that he wouldn't deliver unless it was two grains, which. Um, which, um, you know, was a problem when you were like always like, I'm just going to do Graham, and then like, really, you're just going to do it until it was gone. Um, he was a good businessman, that Alex. Um, and so, so it wasn't an ideal situation, but so as luck would have it, one night I'm out, and I'm at this place called the Beverly Club. And for anybody who was not here in the late 90s, was anybody here in the late 90s? <laughs> It's not no. It's cool. Bucky, I'm the oldest person in the room. Um, so there was this strip club on Beverly Drive. I like I didn't I thought I was making this up um, recently when I was thinking about the story. And I looked it up and I know it's true because there was a just uh, uh, April 1998 New York Times story that said Beverly Hills image tarnished by strip club. <laughs> so I know it was true. It was the worst business idea ever. But anyway, this horrible club existed. I was taken in and um, like friends were going there, I was high. And we go in and I don't remember this part very well, but I think this is what happened. I think that I saw women on a stage taking off their clothes. And I think that I was like, I should take off my clothes. <laughs> Something like comes running over and she's this very severe brunette with these like harsh bangs and she introduces herself as Violet and she's like come with me and um, and I go she takes me into the bathroom and I realize quickly I'm not in trouble Violet wants to bond and she wants to bond by taking out the best cocaine ever. And so she's like, so, so, and I'm just like, how did she know I did cocaine? <laughs> but if you're a manager of a strip club in Beverly Hills and a chip walks in and tries to take her top off, maybe you have a clue she might like to do. So, um, so my conversation with her goes something like this. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is really good. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, yeah, it's great, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, then she goes, I have more. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I wish I had money. And she goes, there's an ATM right there. And that was how I got my second dealer. So the thing is, Violet, well, she was not an ideal dealer because she lived in Beverly Hills. And you guys live in LA. So you know, West Hollywood to Beverly Hills during rush hour is like in your fiending. That is way too long a trip. And so, but the other problem with Violet was that she really wanted to do like girl talk. But like, it wasn't like nails shopping, whatever girl talk is supposed to be. Violet was a businesswoman and she wanted to talk business. 
And I remember my writing partner and I were sitting on her couch in her apartment and she was telling us how she was gonna get rich because she had invented a round towel. <laughs> she was that this round towel was gonna revolutionize sunbathing because people wouldn't need to move when the sun moved. Um, <laughs> And we were just like looking at each other going, we can't do this shit anymore. We're going back to Alice. And um, then things get a little bit worse. And that writing partner, she doesn't like, like, my life had fallen off the rails. So this is like, you know your life has fallen off the rails when your writing partner, who is your best friend, slash only friend, messengers you a letter saying she doesn't want to know you anymore. So that's kind of where, oh yeah, that's sort of where cocaine took me. And at this point, I, um, I, I get introduced to Joey. Now, Joey also lived in Beverly Hills, but, um, but, but also a, a terribly depressing scene. And the thing about Joey, so okay, so Alex wrapped his Coke in lotto tickets, which was like his little signature move. <laughs> you had to have a signature move, I think, because Violet's was that she wrapped her Coke in, post, in pink post-it notes. Now, Joey didn't have special wrapping, but his signature move was that you could do the Coke with him, like it was some sort of like, one taste it. Um, but you didn't taste it because it was the grossest cocaine imaginable, but it was $40. And so, like, you were just going there because you were broke. Or you couldn't drive to Violet or you couldn't handle Alex. And I remember, like, there was nothing more depressing than sitting in Joey's apartment, like, doing this terrible coke. And I remember that this girl and I were sitting there, and some other girl walks in, and she, like, goes into the kitchen, and the girl turns to me, and she's like, That girl? She was in rehab. And I'm like, fucking rehab? She's fucked up. And I'm just like, we're just like two girls sitting in like a creepy man's apartment in the middle of a Tuesday, but she's like a drug addict. And, um, not long after that, I ended up in rehab. And as I walk in, Guess who's checking in also? Violet. That's true. And she's sitting there, and she just like recognizes me immediately. She's like, come with me. And she was like, it was just like back to the strip club. Except this time, she's like, here's the thing. I got busted. That's why I'm here. I never dealt to you. Got it? And I'm like, yeah, no, no, of course you didn't. Do that. Um, and she's like, we know each other from Temple, okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, totally, totally. And so Violet and I were in treatment together. <laughs> and she was, to be honest, kind of fun to me. She was like that person um, who here has been in treatment. Okay, nice, playing to my crowd. You know that one. They'll always gossip about other people's shares. They'll always go out and smoke with you. That's who she was. Um, now, the thing is, I have no idea what happened to her or Alex or Joey or any of those people, but I like to picture my thing on a tropical island sitting on a large round towel. <laughs> Thank you.